Hey there, and welcome to the Piecing It Back Together podcast. My name's Colin, I'm the host of this show, and what you're about to listen to is a sermon I preached on TikTok. If you didn't know, I preach a sermon every single Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at Ugit's Colin on TikTok. And recently, we've been going through a series called Refined, and this episode is week one of the Refined series. My prayer is that this can help you, it can motivate you, and it can encourage you to dive deeper into your relationship with Christ. I hope you enjoy. Father, thank you for tonight and for allowing us to all meet together, whether it not be in person, but over a screen or if we're just listening to this, God, I pray that you would speak to us, Lord, that anything that comes out of my mouth would not be of me, but it would be of you, that every single word that leaves my mouth would be yours, Father. Lord, anoint my words, making them yours rather than mine. And if anything comes out of my mouth, that is my words, just let them ignore it and let them forget it. Let everyone always remember your words and your power and your glory, God. I pray that We would be here tonight united under you, Father. We would not be led by me, but be led by you, Lord, that everything done here would be by you, God, that every single person here would be touched, every single person would be given to them what they need, that if their heart is hurting and it is yearning for you, God, you would fill the void, or that if they want to know how to become your child, God, you would make new child, you would adopt new kids into your family, Father. Lord, I pray that we would all have our eyes fixated upon you, that we would be gazed upon your glory and your holy, holy, holy and perfect name, God. So would you come in and fill us with the Holy Spirit? Would you fill us with your presence? Would you bless us with your name, Lord, and bless us with your word? And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so. Week one. This is... This is um, This is a series that I'm going to start doing every single Friday. And the series is aimed at and directed towards the broken. And I I just want to mention, it's it's directed towards the broken. And if you yourself just said, first of all, nah, that ain't me. If you just said, you know, let me restart real quick. If I just said, this is for the broken, and you yourself said, um... Nah, that ain't me. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not the. I'm not the broken. Then, then it's you who needs to be here, because he says in Romans three twenty three that we've all fallen short of the glory of God, and if we've all fallen short of the glory of God, then we are broken. So, this is for the broken. This series is for the ones who are struggling with depression. It's the ones who are struggling with anxiety, the ones who are struggling with feeling alone, even though maybe you have so many friends or so many people around you that you think love you or, or so many people around you that are always talking to you. You just feel alone spiritually. This is for the people with family problems whose moms and whose dads might have left, whose dads have been abusive. Maybe their moms have been abusive. Maybe their brothers have been abusive to you. Maybe your siblings have just... Maybe you're just struggling with family problems. It's also for the people with suicidal thoughts. The ones who don't see a purpose in life anymore. The ones who look at life and think, I shouldn't be here. This is for the ones who think that God God made a mistake with me. I'm, I'm here to prove you otherwise. This, this entire series is going to be talking about how all of that is wrong. So, 
I'm going to start by saying this. Throughout this entire series, God wants to refine you. He wants to take your broken pieces. The pieces that the world has broken you down. Because see, you keep going back to the world. So for the people that, that continuously go back to the world, trying to be fulfilled by the world, but, but every single time you go back, you realize the world just kills you. You're trying to find satisfaction within a broken world. See, you're trying to chase the things that, that you think fill you, but in reality, they're draining you. open our Bibles to Psalm 34, 18. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So if your spirits are crushed, the Lord is near to you. Now let's turn to Psalm 147, 3. He heals the brokenhearted. And binds up our wounds. Not only is God close to you when you're broken. But he binds up your wounds. Completely. Let's pray again. Father, we ask that you would bind our wounds together. You would break us tonight into as many pieces as you need to break us, that you would refine us back together, Lord. That everything that you do would be for the best of us, and that we would understand that you do what we need, not what we want, God. That our hearts will be set on being refined, and we would desire your refinement. So, Lord, refine us tonight through your word. Refine us tonight through your glory, through your grace, through your love, through your mercy, through your holiness, and through your righteousness, God. Amen. So, first of all, feelings and emotions. A lot, a lot of what I just said over there was, you know, you feel depressed, you feel anxious, you feel alone, all these things that you feel. But a good friend of mine, David Ladding, every single time that I start a sentence with I feel, David will go, hold on, hold on, hold on, but what about faith? What, 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 about, what about faith? Do you have faith in this feeling or no? Is it just a feeling and you're just acting on the feeling? And it's so convicting. Because see, sometimes the way we feel is not the way that God wants. We feel like I'm so alone, but God is right next to us. We feel like I have nothing, but God has given us salvation and eternity. You know, we, we must distinguish. We must distinguish this first. What is the difference between an emotion and faith? The difference between emotion and faith, let's look back in the Bible, because we have so many of the the most perfect examples in the Bible of everything that we're supposed to do as a Christian. We have perfect examples. Let's back to the story of Peter walking on water in Matthew 14. Peter goes to walk on water, but the thing is, Jesus says, come to me, come off the boat and walk on water while a storm is happening, while there's basically a tsunami going on. Would you, uh, let me ask this, would you walk on water? Would you walk on water if some dude said, which not some dude, it was Jesus, but some dude said, yeah, won't you walk on water with me? No, you'd probably be like, no, I'm going to slip and fall. But rather Peter said out of faith, he said, yes. So he gets up and he walks on water. And then he looks down at his feet and feels scared and his emotion is frightened and he sinks. See, it's emotions that make us sink and faith that makes us rise. Faith makes us walk on 
water. So if you feel like you're under the water, where's your faith? Where's your faith when struggles are coming in? Where's your faith when you feel like there's no one around? Where is your faith when you're so broken? Let's look back even farther into the beginning when Peter and Simon were called by God. See, when Peter and Simon were called by Jesus to come with him, to follow him, to drop everything, Peter and Simon's fishing business was described as having servants. And when you had servants in your business, that was good. I mean, you were, you were living good. And the stories in Matthew 4, 18 through 22. And Peter and Simon drop everything. In a moment, they just drop everything and say, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. That's faith. Faith, the definition of faith is to have complete and total trust. It's to have trust in totality of God. How do you strengthen your faith? Trust God. You must trust the unknown and be willing to and be submitting to the unknown. Understanding that I do not know tomorrow, but I know my God knows tomorrow. And I know my God is perfect. And I know my God is holy. And I know my God had already set tomorrow and he did it for my need. He did it because he wanted to do it. And he did it to glorify his name, but to also glorify his child. Walking with God must be by faith. Not by feelings. If you walk with God by feelings, you are going to fall and sink under the water. I repeat myself a lot, but if you look in the story of, uh, uh, or in the book of Proverbs, when Solomon's speaking, he repeats himself a lot. And the reason that he repeats himself over and over and over again, saying the same thing, but in a different kind of context, in a different kind of way, is because we need to listen. Because sometimes we're not willing to listen. God says something to us, And we're just like, oh, whatever. So he has to say it again. And see, sometimes we ask ourselves, why am I so broken right now? Why am I so completely beat down and I feel like I can't move forward anymore? Well, it's because sometimes God has to break you so much and put you into such tears that you are choking on your tears. You're choking on every word that tries to come out so you can't interrupt him. And walking with God isn't perfect. I want to I highlight that. Walking with God is not perfect at all. You don't walk with God and never sin again. Rather, you understand your sin. You know your sin now and you stray away from your sin. You turn from your sin when you repent because of the spirit of God which is within you. But, and this is where the but comes in. Because there's always a but with God. There's always a but. You guys ever realize that? When it comes to God, there's always a but God. See, walking with God isn't perfect, but sometimes when the road seems like it's not perfect, when the road seems like it's not perfect, when depression implores within our heart, when anxiety is so high that we can't even think anymore, when our family fighting so much when our thoughts are telling us to just leave to die to kill ourselves when it gets hard there's always a but god see when you're on a plane you've probably heard this a million times you've you've probably heard this expression a million times and i was thinking about this the other day 
But sometimes, see, the thing is sometimes God has to tell you the same thing over and over and over again so that you actually hear it and you actually listen. And because sometimes we hear it from God and it's like, oh, whatever, God, I knew that. Well, yeah, you know it, but do you do it? You know it, but do you follow it? Do you have faith in it? You can know something. The demons know God. The demons know and believe in God, but are you any different from them? They know what they should do, but they don't do it because they are demons. What makes you any different than them? If you have no faith and no obedience to God, what would make you any different? So why can't we just trust the holy, holy, and perfect God. See, when you're on a plane, I'm going to say it now. I'm going to say the, the expression because maybe you need to hear it. When you're on a plane and there's, there's turbulence, do you jump out or do you trust the pilot? By the way, by the way, uh, do you jump out or do you trust the imperfect worldly human pilot? Oh, no. You, you, you trust him. Yes, you do trust him. See, If we can trust that pilot when there's turbulence going on, the imperfect one, why can't we trust the perfect one? Why, why, why can we trust the imperfect pilot when we have turbulence on a plane and we're traveling, but we can't trust the holy, holy, holy and perfect God when life gets hard? Why jump out? Interesting fact, uh, on commercial airplanes, they don't have parachutes for you. So when you jump out, you expect to hit the ground without dying? No, no, you don't. See, Flying with God is like flying on a commercial airplane. It, it doesn't seem too great. doesn't seem very amazing because it seems like there's, there's a lot of persecution. seems like there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. But the destination is a paradise island. Say that one more time. Flying with God might seem like a commercial airline, but the destination is a paradise island. See, sometimes I believe that we, we, we sometimes think we're, we're like the Israelites in the wilderness. You know, the Israelites were trapped in the wilderness. Uh, it's a story in Exodus. They were trapped in uh, the wilderness for over 40 years. And then halfway through, they were, they were so tired of it. They were so done of the persecution. They were so done of being so lost that they want to go back to Egypt. To Egypt where they were slaves, to where they were being beaten. To, to Egypt where it was bad, to where they were in their sin. See, sometimes God is going to lead you and it's going to hurt. Sometimes God is going to lead you somewhere and you're going to feel alone because he had to lead you away from your friends. Sometimes God is going to lead you somewhere and it might cause family problems. Because the thing is, you might be the only Christian in your family. And it might cause a bit, bit of family problems. But in the end, in the end, in the end destination, which you don't know yet, it might cause a blessing. See, what God wants to walk you through only shows to what the end is actually going to be like. Because what he walks you through, if he walks you through something harder, we're told to endear the tribulations. James 1, 4, um, Joshua 1.4 is a verse that says, For my brother have joy during the tribulations. Or, not the tribulation. Have joy during the trials. Have joy during your trials. 
Now, does joy mean be happy all the time? No, 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 no. Joy does not mean be happy all the time. Or rather, joy means acknowledge and accept and be in. Sometimes you can be sad and be joyful. You can be angry and be joyful. Joyful is a very constant feeling. Or not feeling. Joyful is not a feeling. Joy is faith. Joy comes through faith. And you might think, well, Colin, you're saying all this, but I have too much baggage. You might think, you know, you're you're saying that I need to stay on the plane, and you're saying that I need to I need to trust God. I've got too much. I've got too much baggage. I, I I'm not a virgin, Colin. My my family isn't Christian. I have no hope. I've sinned too much. I drink too much. I I I, I God's got to be mad at me. I can't do this anymore because God's so mad at me. I just have too much on my hands. The reason I'm not following him and the reason I'm not getting in the word is because I've just got so much. I've just got so much on my plate. And why would a God want that? There's no God that would ever want that. Why? 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 Let me ask you this. If someone murdered your kid, would you send them to jail? It's a weird question. If someone murdered your kid, would you send them to jail? You probably would. You're probably saying, yes, if someone murdered my kid, heck yes, I would send them to jail. That's what you and I would do. But that's what you and I also did. We did murder someone. We did murder Jesus with our sin. Every sin that you ever committed and every sin that I've ever committed. Every single time we sin, I want to put this into perspective. Every single time that we sin, just every one sin. Now imagine, imagine this image every time you sin, not to be guilty of it, but to understand your sin. Every single time that you sin, the hammer's in your hand and you're nailing Jesus to the cross. Oh no, maybe you've got the spear. Maybe you're poking Jesus in the side. You know, killing him when he's on the cross. Maybe it's you before he goes to the cross who's whipping him. I don't know. Maybe it's some sin that's just forcing him to carry his 13 foot by 9 foot cross up a mountain to where you would then put him on. No, maybe, maybe you're not dumb. No, maybe you're just the people in the crowd laughing at him. Maybe it's not just your sin, but it's you in general laughing at him because maybe you're walking through your life and you're saying, why would I ever follow this Jesus guy? You go to school and you never represent Jesus. You go, you go to work and you never represent Jesus. I couldn't tell if you, you were a Christian because how many cuss words have you said? I couldn't tell you were a Christian because you didn't love that other person. I couldn't tell. See, we say all this. Do you want to know something? God didn't send us to jail. He chose us to let us free. He chose us to be his children through that death, through the death that we caused. See, 
you might think you have too much baggage. Let me tell you a story. It's a story about me. You might think you have too much baggage. But when I was in eighth grade, I started drinking. I started going to parties. I started drinking a lot of alcohol. Then I started smoking weed. And then when I got into my freshman year, I started doing a lot of harder drugs and almost killing myself every single night. I started messing around with girls. Then you want to know something? I gave my life to Christ. And it was after I gave my life to Christ that I lost my virginity. I was beaten. And I thought, God doesn't want me. I'm not a virgin. I'm not pure. I've done too many drugs. I've drank too much. I have too many addictions. I watch too much porn. I thought, God will never forgive me for this. God will never want me. But our God is a God of plot twist. Because God took a a kid who messed up and made the mistake of losing their virginity. He took a kid who messed up and made the mistake of becoming addicted to drugs. He took a kid that was messed up and made the mistake of becoming addicted and, and, and an alcoholic. He took that kid and made him a vessel. Because our God is not just some random, weird, mystical God. No, our God is the God of plot twist. You might call her a whore, but God calls her a daughter of Christ. You might see him as goofy or maybe ugly because of the way he looks, but God sees him as a vessel, someone that he can love everybody with. See, you might think of her as the popular girl in school, and you make fun of her because of her looks or whatever, but God sees her as a child, as a daughter, as someone that he can use. You might see yourself in the mirror as ugly, but God sees you as a temple. You might see yourself as worthless, but God sees you as worthy. You might see yourself as a person who is completely broken down, but God sees you as holy and a child and a rock that he wants to chip down and refine into a beautiful art creation. You think he can't forgive you? You heard my story, and you still think he can't forgive you. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 10.13. It says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God is faithful. You think he can't forgive you, but God is faithful, as we're told in 1 Corinthians 10.13. And then Ecclesiastes 7.20, you think you've sinned too much. Really? You think you've sinned too much. Okay. And let's go back. Let's look at, let's look at it. In Ecclesiastes 7.20. All right. You think you've sinned too much. Well, Ecclesiastes 7.20 says otherwise, because Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does not, who does not good and never sins. Read that one more time. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. And then, you know, you think Psalm 103.12. Let's go to Psalm 103.12. As far as the east is from the west, so far 
does he remove our transgressions from us? You think he can't forgive you? 1 Corinthians 10.13, he is faithful. You think you've sinned too much? Ecclesiastes 7.20, we've all sinned. And you think that he can't take your sin from you? Psalms 103.12 says you're... Psalms, as far as the east is from the west so far, does he remove our transgressions from us? Completely. He's removed our sins and placed a righteous heart within us. See, what you think God can't do, God might just do. Why limit a God who is the God of everything, who is perfect? Why put limitations on him? So to wrap up, you think he can't do it? You think he can't save you? Well, the Bible says otherwise. The word of God says otherwise. He wouldn't have died if he didn't want to save you. You think you've got too much? Nah, look at Paul. He was a murderer. You think, no, 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 God, God could never use me. Lazarus was dead. Let that sit for a moment. Lazarus was dead and God still used him. God used a dead man. God used a murderer. God used an adulterer in David, an adulterer in Solomon. God used some fishermen. God used an old man who was way too old to, in reality, have kids to birth a nation. And God, say one more time, used Lazarus, a dead man. He's the God of the universe. The God who can do all. The God who is all. And the God that all comes from. So if you think that your problem's too big for him, I suggest giving it to him. Because he'll show you. He's the God of the universe, not thus the God of the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for allowing us to come into your presence, for allowing us to be spoken to by you. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to sit upon everything that was said tonight. God, that you would would completely refine us. You would take our brokenness and make us new. You would take the old, wipe it away. And you would bring on the new 2 Corinthians 5.17. God, I pray that through you, we can do all. That God, you would use us as vessels. That God, you would completely break our hearts for what breaks yours. Lord, that we would no longer seek the things of this world, but we would seek you and we would realize everything that weighs upon our shoulders you want to be laid upon yours because you're stronger and you can pick it up. You want to be the father of our lives. So what I pray that everybody would allow that to happen. Amen.